Hallelujah. God's great, greatly to be praised. Thankful for him today. While you're standing, we'll read a scripture. If you have your Bibles, you want to follow along. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. We're going to finish up uh, with the last lesson from this uh, series on uh, standing in liberty. In Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2. Paul in his closing statements said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So today we're going to talk about that, bearing one another's burdens. And just going to believe that God's going to touch us with his word today. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, we love you and thank you. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for your presence we feel in your house today. Lord, let us receive this word today. Let us learn to be more like you, to fulfill. We want to fulfill that law of Christ. We want to do what you've called us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. A great God. He's a great God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thankful for his presence. You can be seated. God bless you this morning. Good to see some travelers home. Good to, glad you guys made it back safe. A lot of folks visiting vacation in this week. and glad everyone's getting back home, though. We, we miss our people when they're gone. Along this line, uh, of course, we started... Uh, this series talking about there is no other gospel. And while we know that uh, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, we, we know that's what we preach. Uh, the focus in this, however, has been more on us uh, looking at fulfilling that gospel uh, through uh, our love and commitment to other members of the body of, and to the people of the world that we shine the light uh, because that is the gospel. Uh, there is no other gospel, and that gospel is about loving one another. And uh, that's how the Lord said it, that the world would know we are his disciples. And so we must love the world. He loves the world. We must reach the world, reach out to the world. But um, in our own body, we must also learn to take care of one another and make sure that we are uh, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, uh, being a restorer in the body. And so uh, we must do our best and help others to also carry their burdens and then find restoration for their lives, restoration from sin that they may have in their life, things or mistakes, things that have gone on. We want to, uh, don't want to be a a judge over them, but we we want to be a restorer. I want to be somebody that can restore people. Now, it's uh it's easy sometimes to uh, when we look at this scripture in uh, Galatians that the focus automatically goes to the first individual who is mentioned. If a man be overtaken in a fault, it's easy for us to to jump right to. Okay, this is about people who have messed up. But this verse is not just about 
the focus should not just be on people who have messed up. It's also turned back on us that if a man's overtaken in a fault now, those of us that are spiritual, we should restore such a one. There's a job for people in the body. If you ever think I don't have any place in the body, that's not true. Every one of us are uh, called to be restorers as long as we are spiritual. We want to be spiritual-minded. You can't restore somebody if you're carnal-minded. The carnal mind is enemies with God. It, it, it's not subject uh, to the Spirit of God. And so uh, you're not going to help anybody with, with carnal advice. That's why I caution people sometimes about, uh, you know, don't live your life by, you know, people spend so much time searching the Internet for some kind of meme or quote that will uh, justify where they are in their life. Or, you know, if you would just read the book and pray, you'd find a lot of answers. If you'd spend some time with the Lord, you would find a lot of answers. But um, so it's not just about working. That, that verse of Scripture is not just about us working on others, but it is also about us working on ourselves. As he said, we need to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. So one thing I want to say about this as we learn to bear one another's burdens is that uh, people are not beyond help. Hello. If you ever don't if you ever write somebody off, you're doing something that even the Lord doesn't do. He's going to have everything to say at the end, not in the middle of their story. You know, we come into people's lives or see something happen in their life and they make a mistake, they get in a mess, things happen, things get out of their control, whatever it is, and we want to say, well, they got what they deserved and just write them off. But God doesn't just write them off. There's always a chance for them. That's why His mercy is new every morning. And so... Um, I want to make sure that I'm not saying, well, they're just beyond help. But he said the brethren, and that's also for the, the women, not just the brothers, but the sisters, the body should be, uh, we are the ones that can bring restoration to our brother or sister. Man, the power that God gave us is not just about, uh, you know, uh, preaching and having services and baptizing people. That's, yes, yeah, sure, that's all part of the gospel and things that we do, but, um, but being able to be an extension of his mercy. Hey, I, I had nothing like to see somebody recover from a sickness. That's fantastic. When you've ever prayed for anybody and they're like, whoo, I feel better right now, and you're like, man, praise God, that's awesome. That's, we love healing, we love miracles, and nothing like... Uh, Hey, I was praying and saw an angel of the Lord. Praise God. But, but when you uh, actually become an extension of God's love, you're never more like him than when you do that because God is love. God is merciful. God is long-suffering. And whenever we begin to uh, display those attributes, we're, that's when we're more like God than ever, not in, in miracle signs and wonders, because even in Moses' day, there were magicians that could imitate the miracles. The, the Bible said in the last days, 
like they might call fire down from heaven. Miraculous things. I mean, the spiritual world's real, and the supernatural stuff is real, and there's imitations of things, and uh, people are so involved in that stuff that, you know, all you have to do is somebody could be involved in something crazy and say, hey, watch what I can do, and next thing you know, there's a, something flying across the room. They're like, the Lord gave me that power. Well, do you believe that or not? You got to be careful. Many spirits going out in the land. But our focus is, is on this, is that whenever we begin to restore people, to reach for people, to help people. Now, look, you can't do it without the Lord because you got to be spiritual, and the Lord is that spirit. But these people are part of us. And being overtaken in a fault does not mean it's over. I've I've played ball. You you hear me make sports references all the time. Some of you that's played sports could relate. You're in the lead. And then the, the opposing team overtakes you. That don't mean it's over. Just come back in there and hit again. You know, uh, you hadn't forgot how to do what got you the lead in the first place. And it takes the team. To, it can't be one guy. It's got to be the team effort that brings it back. You may have been overtaken, but you can always come back and win. And so when people are overtaken in a fault, it's not does not mean it's over. And it doesn't mean we're helpless. You know, if all of a sudden, I, now I've watched teams collapse because they were winning and they, they lost the lead, and they just give up. And they, they never, it's like they just quit trying. But I know if I'm out in the field and I'm playing, all of a sudden they score, and now they're ahead. They've just overtaken us. Just let me get back in there with that bat in my hand because I have not forgotten how to hit just because I got overtaken. I haven't forgotten how to play just because I've been overtaken. And I haven't forgotten how to live for God just because I've been overtaken. Come on, somebody. And, and it's not over. Being overtaken does not mean it's over. And we, as the church, are not helpless to uh, restore people. Uh, he said, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness. It, it, it brings to mind, uh, to me, the story of, of Peter. How that he was so sure he would just go to the death with Jesus. How I would... All men might run, but I won't run. I will die with you. Well, will you, Peter? Because before that rooster crows uh, three times, you're going or crows, you're going to deny me three times. Not me. Well, it happened just like Jesus said. And now you think of Peter wrestling with that as he he runs out. The scripture says he ran out. He wept bitterly. Probably cried himself to sleep. The weight of guilt that just because of a few people said, hey, aren't you one of them, that I couldn't even speak up and say, yes, I am. And, and so he, the shame, the guilt, you know, how can I be worthy of keys to the kingdom when I've done this? And, and how, how can I be expected to be anything now that I've denied him and, and my life's over, it's a wreck? He's got to wrestle with all these things within himself. Might have been a few of them around him saying, man, I can't believe you denied him. You know, but whatever he, he, it, you know, I'm sure he heard about the judgment uh, that they 
pronounced on Jesus, but you don't read about Peter being anywhere near Calvary. He was probably too ashamed to go and watch Jesus die. So he, he knows nothing to do but to just go back. And the Bible says that he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. And so he goes back, takes a few others with him. And if you remember the story of where he was called, he had been fishing all night and they didn't take anything. And the Lord told him, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And, and that's where they got that big draw. And it was sinking the boat and everything was going on. And he was like, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And that's where Jesus called him. Well, he goes fishing and he fishes all night and he don't catch nothing. You can't go back. You just got to keep moving forward. But uh, they see a man on the shore and he's cooking. And they're like, who is it? And somebody told Peter, said, man, that's the Lord. And after he had told him, he said, have you taken anything? you caught anything? No, we hadn't caught anything. He said, throw your net out on the right side. And they caught fish again. But Peter realizes the Lord jumps in and goes to the beach. And that's where the conversation starts, where Peter is reminded of his calling. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. You mean you still want me to feed your sheep after what I've done? Jesus don't even bring it up. Just reminds him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. People walk away from God doesn't mean they quit loving God. Made a mistake. Got carnal. Something happened. Doesn't mean, they want to, doesn't mean they don't want to preach anymore. Doesn't mean they don't want to follow Jesus anymore. They're just too ashamed to do it. And so Jesus goes, well, feed my sheep. Peter, you love me more than thee? Yes, feed my lambs. And before Paul ever wrote this passage to the church, Jesus is already exemplifying it in his talk with Peter. The Lord is restoring him in the spirit of meekness. Just giving him back what he, opening his eyes to let him realize you haven't lost what I gave you. You're just too ashamed to use it. I want you to feed my sheep. And so uh, we as the church need to make sure that uh, we are spiritual. Don't, don't try to fix somebody else if, if they have a spiritual breakdown with your Carnality. <laughs> it won't work. But we can fix fleshly faults with and by spiritual means. Romans 8 and 13 says, If you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. The Spirit is indeed willing and the flesh is weak. But that doesn't mean that the Spirit uh, doesn't have power. If we will be led by the Spirit, Galatians 5 and 16 says, If we walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, when we can get ourselves into a place of spiritual uh, strength where we are relying on the Spirit to lead us, we're living by the Word. The Word is Spirit, it's life. And so sometimes walking in the Spirit is being led by the Word, which is Spirit, being led by the Spirit, hearing what the Spirit says to the church, keeping ourselves in prayer and fastings and things that are 
spiritual things, but you can't just know about God and be a restorer. You know, it's like, uh, you know, we've been trying to work on some screens around here. I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a video tech guy. And there's stuff that goes on that I have no idea why it works like it does and why it don't. When it didn't work, I don't know why it's not working. So I just start plugging stuff in, unplugging until something works. And it still ain't working right, but we, we got it to where it is. But that's the thing is, you know, we don't want to just try to throw people, well, let's just throw them a bone. I don't want to throw them a bone. I want to restore them. I don't want to just, well, try this. Oh, that didn't work. Well, try this. You know, when we are spiritual, I'll tell you this, we're not spiritual without his word because we're born again by the word of God. That's a spiritual birth. Being born again is a spiritual birth. And if we don't read his word and study his word and ingest his word and live by this word, I can promise you, you're not spiritual. And, and quoting scripture does not make you spiritual. Living scripture makes you spiritual. And so, uh, you know, it would be better to just send them to somebody else than to try to fix a problem that uh, needs somebody spiritual. If you know you're not, hey, you don't even have to blow your cover. Just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you the number of somebody that could probably help you because I would rather them actually get help than me fake help them. <laughs> I want people to be better. But God gave us the Holy Ghost to make us spiritual. There's power, there's anointing, things that come with gifts. There are gifts, there's fruit of the Spirit, there are disciplines, there's all kinds of things that aid us and equip us to be spiritual restorers. And so when we're talking about bearing one another's burdens, I, I don't want to just focus on the one who's carrying the heavy load. I want to look at the helper because there's nothing worse than somebody says they're here to help, but they can't actually help. You ever had anybody say, man, I'll come over and help you do that? And you're like, I'm trying to think of a reason why they shouldn't come. Because I appreciate the volunteer, but I know you can't do this. And it'll be easier for me if, and less stressful for me if I just do this. You know, it's, uh, so I, I want to... I've had people before say, hey, I'll help you. I'll help you paint that. And I'm like, I've seen you paint. I don't want. And uh, so I'm like, no, I got it. I said, you know, it, that's a one, it's just a one minute. It's just, it, 30 minutes, I'll be done. It's, you know, because I'm like, I don't want to have to go back and repaint what you painted. Appreciate the offer. Love you very much. Now, I didn't say anything. I didn't even look that direction. A man's got to know his limitations. Don't volunteer for stuff you can't do. <laughs> but as we, you know, so as we look at this, you with your spiritual restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. I want you to think about yourself for a moment. Because nobody who is a restorer 
can say that they have never been restored. Every restorer has been worked on. Yeah, come on. Because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. And so uh, I can promise you we're not ever going to be in a place to restore someone if we can't already admit I've needed some restoring myself because we are all brethren. And he didn't call anybody that was perfect and never had made any mistakes. He got the worst of us uh, as we struggled and flipped and flopped and fell trying to get to where we are, to that spiritual place. Uh, you know, we had to be restored ourselves. Somebody had to help us somewhere. And, it, and sometimes restoring is a major undertaking. Sometimes it is just as simple as saying, hey, I love you and I believe in you. A kind word. You know, something that will cheer somebody's heart. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Sometimes you can just say an encouraging word. It lifts their heart up and they begin to heal. When they just feel somebody cares about me, somebody believes in me, and I can be a restorer. I can help bear someone's burden. But I have to consider myself. And as, you know, Paul would say of himself many times, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the least of the apostles. I, I, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And, and he's not just trying to debase himself and be, get for attention. He's just, he recognizes that, hey, on my best day, I'm vanity because without God, I can do nothing. And so we have to remember too that, hey, I lose my temper. I get frustrated. You know, uh, I make mistakes. I I, you know, I, I, I say this or do that or I, I, I slip, I fall. We have to consider ourselves and remember that we're just you know, flesh as well. But people who consider themselves and remember uh, who they belong to, they have an answer. We know that when we fall, we can call on the Lord. When we uh, make mistakes, we can repent of those mistakes. We confess our faults. He's faithful to forgive us. And God continues to use us and sit with us and say, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then keep doing what I called you to do. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, preach, sing, witness, testify. Whatever it is you do, keep doing it because I want you to, I called you because I wanted you. I didn't call you for part-time help. I didn't call you for temporary help so I can kick you to the curb later. I called you into this thing for eternity. Consider yourself lest you also be tempted. That also means when you consider yourself, do not believe that you are above falling. Sometimes restoring people can be uh, hazardous to your walk if you're not careful because you find yourself joined to them. Ain't nobody that ever walks away that I don't want to see back, but I'm not going to join their lifestyle to try to get them back. You have to consider yourself and remember that even though I love them and want them back, there is a line that I cannot cross in trying to help them. I cannot participate. I, you know, I, I don't want to. There's nothing wrong. When you affirm somebody, that's not the same as condoning what they're doing. So you can love people. You can sit down and have lunch with them. But when they start bad-mouthing your church, 
bad-mouthing your faith. You just need to withdraw yourself. And say, look, I'm not going to sit here and tear you down because you walked away. I don't need you trying to tear me down because I stuck with it. Now, if we can agree on that, we'll keep eating. But if not, check, please. I'm, I'm heading out. And so you have to be careful. We love people. People leave. We, we hate it. It's awful. We, we don't like that. But if they make the decision to go, they go. And when they do, sure, we want to see them. We don't want them just gone and, and lost forever. But you have to be careful when you're around them that you don't find yourself uh, letting them talk you into agreeing and, and okaying their reasons. You can't help them by patting them on the back saying you're fine like you are. You got to be able to love them, be spiritual. There's, that's why you've got to know your book so that you can have an answer to give them whenever that comes around. I want to make sure we do that. And, and we don't do this so that we can be uh, anything other than what God called us to be. It's not for reputation. Verse 3 of Galatians 6, he said, If a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. So you don't think that you're something better than the one you're restoring because you've been in that place before. You should never feel like that. Uh, if you think yourself to be something when actually without him you're nothing, you deceive yourself, but let every man prove his own work and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. It should be about us, number one, before you attempt that, you know, a surgeon, a guy that says, hey, I want to be a surgeon. He doesn't just show up at the hospital one day and say, let me try this out. You got anybody who needs a heart transplant? Let me try this and see if I like this. <laughs> no, you're not you're going to try it and see if you like it. You're going to work on yourself first. You're going to learn about the heart. You're going to learn about surgery and procedure. And you're going to learn about the things so you know how to operate. This book will tell you how to operate. But when you try to just open somebody up and you don't know what you're doing, get yourself in a lot of trouble. And so it's not about us trying to make a reputation. We, we have to turn it inward, examine ourselves and see whether or not we be in the faith so that we can be good restorers of the brethren. We were not saved uh, for ourselves only. But the Lord said, I, I saved you, I called you to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I called you to be an extension uh, of my goodness and mercy and my grace. I, I, I called you to preach the gospel to every creature. And sometimes in preaching, it's more than just preaching Acts 2.38. It's also preaching the scriptures that talk about love, mercy, forgiveness, not just from him, but from one another. We need that. That's restoration. Because a lot of times people, it's not that so much that They've fallen out with God. Sometimes they just fall out with people. And they get disappointed in people. And we need to make sure that we can get them back to where they can trust people. We were talking with someone yesterday evening. And they said they were praying for their, some family members who had just endured some, some great hurt in the church. And that's always so sad for me to hear. Uh, that, and, and it, because people will you know, just walk away from the church like that. And they're... Uh, boy, people are quick to throw rocks at the church. 
you know, I'm not just talking about a single building, but the, the whole, the church, you know, uh, listen, the church is full of people. And sometimes on their best day, people are just miserable. Come on, you never had nobody that you love and trust hurt your feelings? Sure. Sure you have. That's the and it stinks. It hurts. It's awful. It happens. It happens in church. And so uh, we have to remember that but not say, well, the whole church is just corrupt. No, it's not. One person, maybe two, uh, maybe four or five people hurt your feelings. But you don't quit God over that. And you don't quit the church over that. You don't quit gathering because it. You don't quit the things that the book talks about just because somebody did that. And you ever get your feelings hurt when you're in school? Come home upset, kid said something, stole something from you, pushed you down, you was upset. But you know what? The next day you got up and went to school. You can't quit school just because somebody pushed you down. Somebody stole your pencil. I mean, my goodness. It happens. Kids, what well, goes on? Man, I see people all the time that I was in high school with. I was awful. And I see them sometimes and I think, ooh, I remember the last thing I ever said to you. I saw people at a funeral the other day I hadn't seen in probably 35, 40 years. And I thought, I hope they don't remember a lot of what went on in that day. But you know, when I see them now, they come and say, man, how are you doing? They're shaking their hands. Just, just forgot about. Consider yourself. Don't ever believe you can't be overtaken. The Bible says, though a good man fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. It's not God's intention for us to just all and that's it he shall not be utterly cast down the hand of the Lord's going to hold him up and so uh, I want to make sure that I'm reaching up for the hand of the Lord that when I fall I realize I'm not done there's a lesson in here not just for those that have fallen uh, that we're like looking at but for us as well for all of us because when we fall we have to remember I've got to get up if I learned anything from the conversation that Jesus has with Peter on that beach is that he will have that same conversation with me. If I make the mistake, he's ready to forgive. He's ready to restore. He's ready to heal. I've just got to come to where he's at. I've just got to come to him. And, and so uh, this army of restorers, this body that the Lord's building is full of restorers, but they have been restored themselves. And being spiritual enough to restore others requires us to examine ourselves, look at ourselves, and oftentimes a little operation on ourselves to get us to where we can help somebody else. This is what Jesus said about us fixing other people. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 36, he said, Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful judge not and you shall not be judged condemn not and you shall not be condemned forgive and you shall be forgiven these are all guidelines for people who are restorers give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over Shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And then he spake a parable unto them. 
Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? Now, uh, there are two types of people uh, there. There's some. There's, there's one guy who's blind, and, and he's just trying to figure out where to go, but there's somebody else who's blind who's just like him that says, just follow me. Why? You're blind too. We're both going to end up in the ditch. There's one guy who's just trying to find his way. There's another guy who will not recognize his blindness will not recognize, will not consider himself that I'm no, in no shape to lead nobody else. And they both end up in the ditch. There's one, uh, you know, who's uh, just trying to do his best and another one who's like, I'm, I'm going to take it on myself to lead people even though I can't see where I'm going. And in other words, I don't, I don't want to end up in the ditch by myself. I want somebody to end up in there with me. Now, the disciple, he said, is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, the splinter that's in your brother's eye, but you do not perceive the beam that is in your own eye? And either how can you say to your brother, hey, let me pull out the splinter or the moat that's in your eye when you, can, when you thyself beholdest not the beam that is in your own eye. He said, as long as you think that you can do this without acknowledging your faults or considering yourself, you don't realize you've got a beam in your eye. And you're just trying to pull the splinter out. You know, there's people who like to point out and then there's people who like to point out stuff and then make it worse. Because if you don't know and can't see to operate, you're going to just make it worse. Ignoring your splinter will make it turn into a beam. Ignoring a splinter will only get worse. And so he said, there's a, something has to happen before you can begin to restore people. Restore sight to people. He said, you hypocrite, cast out the first the beam that's in your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to pull the splinter uh, or the, the moat that is in your brother's eye. Fix yourself, consider yourself, realize that you need some restoration, that you have faults, and then you'll be able to help your brother to see clearly. You can't do it until you consider yourself. Having faults does not disqualify you from being able to help, but you've got to take care of those faults uh, so that you can help. You just need to get the beam out of your eye before you start trying to handle splinters. Get that part straight before you work on others. He said, then you shall see clearly. And I want to see clearly. And the way I learn to see clearly is by looking at myself first. Not just looking around going, man, ain't nobody got it right. Ain't nobody getting it, you know. And, and I, man, I, I'm just, I could fix everybody. That's, that's thinking yourself to be something when you're nothing. I want to be 
merciful. He said, be merciful as God is merciful. I want to forgive so I can be forgiven. I don't want to condemn so I'm not condemned. I, I, want, I want to have mercy on people. I want to love people and just, and just try to restore them. I don't have to know all their stuff. I, I don't have to uh, know everything that's going on in their life. I just want to see them back. They don't have to tell me everything, everywhere they've been. I don't care. I just want to see you back where you're supposed to be. I want to see you back with God, back in his house, back serving him, back preaching, back uh, singing. Whatever it is you did for God, I want to see you back doing that. And so you can't just, you know, as, even as bad as you would like to. You ever seen someone that you knew, a loved one, they were sick, and you're like, man, I wish I could fix that. But you can't because you don't know about brain surgery or you don't know about heart surgery or you don't know about you know, kidney transplants and things like that. You wish you could fix it, but you can't. There's somebody that can. And so just wanting to do it doesn't make it happen. We have to work on ourselves, consider ourselves so that we can properly restore people back to where they are supposed to be. And, it, and when we do that, when we get ourselves right, then we're in a place to help others. Uh, David, one, Psalm 51 is one of my favorite psalms. David had been in a big place. And you're, a lot of times in your study Bibles, it'll give you a little description of each psalm. And this one, it says it's the psalm of David. When Nathan the prophet came unto him, after he had gone in to Bathsheba. And so after the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, and of course we know that she gave birth to a child, the child died. Uh, they had cons David had conspired and had her husband killed to cover up everything that was going on. And so now it's caught up to him, but he's still the king. And so he says this, Have mercy upon me, O God. Work on me, God. Have mercy on me according to thy loving kindness. I mean, God loves David. He, he's a murderer, an adulterer. Yeah, he loves him. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. I can't think of many things much worse than what David did. But he didn't feel like it was out of the realm of possibility that God could forgive that. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. I've considered who I am and I acknowledge it. My sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquity. David is simply telling God, fix me, work on me, restore me. Uh, hide, let's see, create in me a clean heart, verse 10. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Get me right. Cast me not away from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. So he goes through 12 verses of fix me. And then in verse 13 he says, then, not before then, 
but then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In other words, after I've taken care of myself, then I will teach people so they can be restored, so they can be converted. Restored people, forgiven people, people with recently removed beams, they're the ones doing the restoring. Standing behind the pulpits all across the world today are people who have been restored. People preaching in tents all across the country today, people have been restored. People singing in choirs, leading worship, teaching Sunday schools are all people who have been restored. They were not, uh, they didn't drop down out of heaven on a beam of light. God didn't just drop off some very perfect people to do that but he pulled us out of the miry clay, out of the horrible pit. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He restored us, and he has done that time and time again. Don't ever try to, to put that level of perfection on, on any mentor in your life, that they never make mistakes, that there's something, uh, you know, that, they're not, that they don't have human issues to deal with. They do. But just because they have issues does not disqualify them from the calling that God gave them. So to clearly see there's got to be an operation on us sometimes to get us into a spiritual place so we are, the Bible says, to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. That's what we're called to be. And when that operation on us is done, that, that scar that's left from that mistake, that that scar of sin is painful. Uh, it can be a very painful reminder, but it is also a very wonderful teaching tool to instruct people and help restore them. I want to be a restorer. I want to help bear people's burdens. Let's stand together. He said, ye which are spiritual, shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't that apply to all of us? If we've been born again, it should. It should apply to us all. I've said this before, a church congregation, a church body, a local assembly, the greatest, greatest thing they have going for them inside their four walls is an abundance of grace and mercy towards one another. Because when you ever get a gathering of people, it doesn't matter what, what it's about there will always be disagreements now, people are people we've got opinions about things different opinions and that, that's why we don't talk about worldly issues across the pulpit because there's no sense stirring that strife up in a church we don't preach politics over this pulpit there's no sense stirring that up we come here to all be in one place in one mind and one accord to be in unity with one another and uh, guess what everybody in your church assembly won't vote like you won't have the same views as you won't like the same food as you like the same music as you like the same you know, car as you whatever there's always little things but we're baptized into one body by one spirit so we're spiritual and so whenever we get a little it's our job to try to restore each other. Love one another. And love covers a multitude of sin.
You can't erase the scripture and the power of it. If we could just love one another, love will cover a multitude of sin. Covers it. You cover something up, you can't see it. It's covered. You cover it. So I want us to make sure that we love one another, that we work to restore one another, that we learn as we so so zealous about the gospel and people being saved and being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and they need to be, that we're also as zealous of keeping them in the body, keeping them in the fear of the Lord. Nobody wanted to lose Peter. The Lord especially didn't want to lose him. Maybe that's why the, I believe it was Peter that wrote in his letter, it's not the Lord's will that any perish. He knew firsthand that he loves you. And let me tell you, I've rebuked him. <laughs> I've denied him. I've cut people's ears off. Man, I have not been the model disciple, but yet I know what I know, and I know who I am, and I know what I'm here to do. And so as we... When we feel that urge to leap and help somebody, take a quick glance in the mirror. Pray, Lord, search me. And before I go trying to operate, make sure I've been operated on. Fix me so I can help fix others. Let's lift our hands together and pray this morning. Precious Lord, we love you so much. And oh, so thankful for that healing virtue that you've given the body word of reconciliation, a ministry of reconciliation, of restoration. God, help us to examine ourselves, to bear one another's burdens, to work tirelessly to see people restored, to see people back in the body. Lord, we want people to go to heaven one day. We want them to hear. We want others to hear you say, well done. So God, we just ask you to help us today to bear one another's burdens, to love one another as you taught us in your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand today. What a great God. Thankful for his restoration power. And I'm thankful for the power of restoration. It's different. The restoration power came to me, but the power to restore that he gave us that we can help other people. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Looking forward to a great move of God in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.